Gospel of John chapter 1, we have been in the Gospel of John, and we're going to go through the Gospel of John this year, and we're excited about what God has been speaking to us through this book. We're in chapter 1, we're going to finish up chapter 1 today, and uh, we're going to continue this series on new beginnings in believing today God is going to speak to our hearts. So today we're going to entitle it Five Followers. There are five followers that we're going to look at in the later part of this chapter, and Jesus breaks down their name. I don't know if you can maybe remember a time when you met somebody, and when you met them, you maybe didn't know it at the time, but they would literally shape your life and influence it for years to come. Maybe, you know, then you got reacquainted with them later on, but it would just change you forever. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm such a believer and we're such a believer at Abundant Life Church in small group ministry is because anything we do to put ourselves into relationship with one another, and that has a very powerful impact upon us forever. And it moves us forward into God's purposes for our lives. And I want to let you know that we have our ALC groups that are happening right now, and some will be beginning in the near future. You can go on our mobile app. You can go on our website and check out. There's a filter on there. We make it so easy for each person to plug in to small group ministry to get into the life that God has called you to live. I just want to encourage you, if you are not in one of our groups, you need to be a part of them because they are God-designed, and they will change your life forever. So I want to just tell you that because the Bible encourages us as one man sharpens another, right, right? That's as iron sharpens iron. We're sharpening each other, right? And we need to do that for each other. We need to be challenged. We need to be encouraged. All of us do. None of us are exempt from that. And I want to encourage you to jump in and be a part of that because that is who we are as we pursue the Lord together. You know, there are many people in relationship in my life that have challenged me and have changed me and have impacted me for eternity. And I remember seeing Kristen for the first time at Bible college, and she has forever impacted me. And my bride, it's her birthday today. Happy birthday to my beautiful bride. And uh, I told our group before, she's turned 21 today. She looks amazing, and she has blessed me. So happy birthday, babe. I don't remember, I, I, I think probably many of you probably do remember the moment that you met Jesus. You remember the first time you heard the gospel, you committed your life to him. And you remember that encounter in your mind. And in that moment, you found that you loved Jesus more than anybody else, and you decided to follow him. You went to the next step, you got baptized, and from that moment forward, Jesus changed your life. As we come to the later part of John chapter 1, we're getting insight on the day that some of the disciples that met Jesus, this is the day that literally changed history forever in their lives. One day. Can you say that? One day. Do you know that one day can change everything inside of us? You know, it doesn't seem as we look at this passage of Scripture that, yeah, there were trumpets blasting, there's no ground quaking. It seems like a very ordinary day that comes about that these men met Jesus and it changed them and it changed uh, their perspective of what they were to do upon this earth as they pursued him. 
And as we look at today, we meet five followers, and we're going to take them name by name, and I think we'll discover a lot of ourselves inside of these biblical characters today that will probably stand out. And I, you know, today, I just want to just say this, that I'm just here to communicate the love of God to you today. I sense God's presence, and I sense his love in this room today, and I'm just coming as a messenger today to tell you how much God really does love you and how much he really does care about you today. And if you look at verse 35, you see in this, we have John, uh, where he talks uh, about himself in here. The next day, John was standing, verse 35, with two of his disciples. That's John the Baptist, who we know one of them is Andrew, so we assume John, the writer of this book, is the other. They're standing there with John the Baptist. He looked at Jesus, walked by, and he said, Behold, as we said last week, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard them say this, him say this, and they followed him, the Bible says. That's amazing. Follow is such a big thing inside of Scripture, but so much more importantly inside of this book. Once you know him, once you know that he wants your life forever, that then you will begin to follow him forever. And you'll see the word follow repeated over and over and over again in this text. In John 21, at the end, and we'll we'll get to that uh, near the fall of this year, where you see Peter is saying to Jesus, is he's really kind kind of in a little bit of argument with Jesus and pointing out another disciple and saying, what about him, Jesus? You know, not about me, but what about him? Why, why isn't he doing what you said? Or why isn't he doing what I'm doing? And you get inside of there that, that Peter is caught up in what God has told somebody else to do rather than what Peter is to do. And, and so many times in our lives, we get into the comparison trap, like, hey, they're not doing what I'm doing. And that totally works against our followership. See, when we get our eyes off God and on other people, understand this, others may be, but you may be not. They're supposed to do something that you're not supposed to do, and there are some things that God's calling you to do that they shouldn't be doing either, but that's just how God works in our lives, isn't it? That we're all disciples called for his purpose. And Jesus says to Peter, well, what is it? And Jesus said to Peter, hey, well, what is that to you, Peter? I've called you to do this. Don't worry about them. Don't worry. And so the word follow is so huge in our followership before the Lord. So here's John. Remember, John the Baptist, we said last week, he's fiery. He's passionate. He's an individual. Jesus gives John and, and uh, James nicknames. That's so crazy. As they're following him, Jesus gives his disciples a nickname, and he gives James and John the title of Boanerges, which is sons of thunder. That's what's in the Bible. It says they are sons of thunder. Very interesting that Jesus gives them nicknames. So Jesus is somebody who, who is so affectionate towards his disciples that he loves them so much that he nicknames them. And so John's name is Son of Thunder. That's one of his names. Isn't that great? I mean, did any of you ever have a nickname that somebody called you growing up? I hope it was a good nickname, but, you know, and if it wasn't, just forget about that. And uh, it wasn't until I got to Bible college that I got a nickname, and they nicknamed me Miller Time. Never drank a beer in my life. And at Bible college, they call me Miller Time, you know? I said, yeah, never drank a beer in my life, but they call me Miller Time, thus Miller I'm sure each of us have had a nickname, you know, that we respond to or maybe don't like to respond to. 
But he gives them nicknames because he's affectionate towards them, that he loves them so much. And we see inside of this, he's one of those who asks Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? Remember that? Hey, Jesus, hey, you want us, you want us to just consume them? And, you know, and they're just like in the passage of Scripture, as he's, they're walking with the Lord, that they're just like, Jesus, you want us just to crisp them right now and make them crispy? Right? You remember that passage? And, and uh, how many of you ever had that thought before? Now, come on. We're in church. Come on, we're in church, so you got to tell the truth here today. Have you ever said, Lord, would you just crisp that person? Oh, my goodness, you liars. I'm telling you, oh, my goodness. I think we had 20 hands, seriously. Oh, my goodness, come on. You're, all, you're that angelic? I'm sorry, your pastor is not, okay. So, so listen. Don't feel bad, you know, because we see this, that the disciples voice this, but Jesus, he turns and he rebukes them. Like, hey, we're not called to do that. We're not called. That's not how I work. And John has this very narrow view. He's very fiery and zealous, but in the middle of all of this zeal, there's something about John that was true uh, about everything else that he did, that is, that John loved Jesus. John loved Jesus so much. Unlike Peter that you see later on, like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus always knew where John was, and John always stayed close to Jesus. We see this in Scripture. See, when you're a disciple of Jesus, you stay close to Jesus. You just want to be near him. You just want to be near him. You want to be close to him. You want to be in his presence you understand that he loves you and you love him. And, you know, I don't know how many of us would be comfortable in talking about your life and your relationship with the Lord by saying, yeah, I'm one of those people that Jesus just loves. When's the last time you've ever said that to the Lord? When's the last time you've ever said that to somebody else? You know, you know what? I'm just one of those people that Jesus just loves. And you say, well, that sounds a little arrogant. On the other hand, it's absolutely the truth. And without arrogance and without pride and without pretense, John just simply celebrates the fact that Jesus loves him. And he is comfortable in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I wonder today, how many of you are just comfortable with the fact that Jesus loves you? No, no, I, I didn't ask what you did or what you've done before or what you're doing. Are, are you just comfortable with the fact today that Jesus absolutely is in love with you? And John, he comes, he walks close to Jesus, he celebrates uh, Jesus, and Jesus celebrates John and he is there, if you remember that story in the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus is transfigured before him and Moses and Elijah appear, he's right there in that moment. And John is there with Jesus at the Last Supper in the upper room, the Bible tells us. He's as close as you can get to Jesus. When they go to the garden, John is there in the garden with Jesus. John wanted to be as close as he could to the Lord every step of the way. 
other disciples are standing back in the garden and, and Jesus is getting arrested. John is the first one to go in the courtyard of the high priest. He's there at the foot of the cross. John is as close to the foot of the cross, loves Jesus so much that when, he's, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he, he looks at John and he looks at his mother and says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. He was that close. He was saying, John, I want you to take care of my mother Mary. That's how close he was to the Lord. You know, when you're following Jesus, you're a lover. How many of you believe that? When you're following Jesus, you are a lover, and you want to be as close as you can. And let me say this. When you're not close, you miss some things. But you have to understand that a disciple sticks as close as they can to Jesus. So my question is today, how close are you to Jesus Christ today? How close are you? Are you near him? Are you in his presence? See, when you're in love with Jesus, you want to be where he is, and you don't want to miss a thing that he does. That's John. And he's like, I want to be there. I'm passionate. I want to be close to my Savior. And then we come to Andrew, the second character. Andrew is the second disciple we meet. Andrew is always doing the exact same thing. And here's what we know about Andrew. Andrew brings people to Jesus. We see this throughout Scripture. Andrew is always bringing people to Jesus. It says the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. We see in verse 38, Jesus turned and saw them following, following, following. He's always following. Once you know who Jesus is, once you experience what he is like, then there's this call to follow, to leave everything behind when you find the one that you truly want to follow and the one that is desperately in love with you. And let me tell you something. Following Jesus is a gradual process, isn't it? I mean, it really is. Many don't immediately leave it all behind. There are some but most disciples don't. For many, it's a gradual process and it's a gradual walk in our lives that we see and we see that they become fishers of men in the Bible and then later on, fishers of men, they become permanently and they leave behind then their boats and then he calls them to be disciples and then he calls them to be a part of his inner circle and there's a continual growing taking place inside of their lives. And so as you're following Jesus, it should lead you closer and closer to him. And if you've started following him and it's never changed your life and you've never gotten any closer to him, something's wrong. And I pray today that you would just figure out what that is between you and your Lord that loves you. We see, when you're, you're following him, you know what you're called to do. That's what we said over this passage in the early part of John chapter 1, that Jesus is the Logos. That is saying he is the absolute reason for everything in your life. And if our lives are not connected to the Logos, Jesus, the reason, then our lives are in such a disarray and we're really not living out the plan that God ultimately has for us. What we've done is we've taken a detour off the path that he has for us. But Jesus is the Logos and you realize when you start following him, it changes you. And you get closer to him. And you, everybody should be growing closer to Jesus Christ. 
Andrew's there, and Jesus, he turns and saw them following him. What are you seeking? Here's what he says. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? What do you want? He says, rabbi means teacher. Where are you staying? Staying is an ongoing theme over and over and over again through the discourse of Jesus' life. About 80 times in the book of John, this word is used. It's translated remain. It means dwell. It means abide in him. This is powerful. John 15, we'll get to that in weeks to come. Abide in me and I will abide in you. He, what is he saying? What do you want? What are you looking for? And they're saying, we want to live with you. We want to do life with you. And Jesus said, come and you will see. Come and see who Jesus is. You want to find out more about me? Then why don't you come and follow me and I will take you on. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you've sensed the presence of God. Will you follow him today with all of your heart? So they came. They saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, and it was about the 10th hour, that's the Jewish reckoning of time, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and Andrew and John are captivated with Jesus Christ. He is different, they understand, than anyone else that they have ever met before, and they can't get enough of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll see Andrew two more times in this gospel, and every time he's doing the same thing. He is bringing people to Jesus. He never stops bringing people to the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. He brings his older brother Peter to Jesus, and Peter is going to totally eclipse Andrew. He will shine brighter. He will live longer, we see. Andrew is not worried about what other people are doing or saying. He's just met the Savior, and he knows what Jesus has done for him, and he wants Jesus to do that for everybody else's life. By the time you get to John chapter 6, there are over 20,000 people on a hillside. He's the one who finds the little boy with the loaves and the fish and brings him to Jesus. And Jesus, I found this guy and I want you to meet him. And here's the story of Andrew's life. Once you've met Jesus and you truly know how wonderful he is, you just kind of think everybody else ought to know him as well. Do you believe that today? that you just really understand how amazing Jesus is and you're like, I want other people to know him. Question for all of us today, who are you bringing to Jesus? Who is it that you're bringing to the Lord Jesus today? Inside of us should be this disciple, Andrew, who's bringing others to the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus is wonderful, and he is, if he's changed your life, and if you're a believer, he has, there are people around you that need to know him, that do not know him. Who are you bringing to Jesus? And are you willing to make the introduction happen? You know, I've got this friend that I really want you to meet, that he's changed my life, and I know that he can change yours as well. That's Andrew. So John's lesson is he walks close to Jesus. Andrew's lesson, he introduces people to Jesus. And then we come to Peter in the Bible. And so much can be said about Peter. Peter is quite the character, isn't he? He's an unusual type of character. He's he's an unusual guy. Realize this. Jesus sees things in you that you don't see in yourself. That's why we need to stay close to Jesus. That Jesus sees things in you and me that we cannot see in ourselves. When you and I come close to the Lord, 
He's the one who created you and knows you better than you know yourself. What happens is a person begins to live in this world. We were born into sin. We understand that. And Peter says in Acts, save yourself from this crooked and perverse generation. Crooked is the word in this that's taken from the word scoliosis, like scoliosis in the spine. It's crooked. It's warped. Sin has a way of warping our lives, of making us less than what God intended us to be. You know, I know people who don't know Jesus, and they are nothing like Jesus wants them to be. And it doesn't take a person of any intuition to see that, that God has a plan for our lives, even though sin has obscured us and warped us. God knows exactly what he wants you to be and what you can become in him. Peter is such a great disciple because every person in this room can relate to Peter. You know, he first found his own brother Simon. Now, let me just say this. If, if you're saved and you know Christ today and you're on your way to heaven and your family's not, start with your family first. Quit trying to save the world first. Save the people. Get to the people in your life. Get them one step closer to Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And don't ever quit. Uh, this last week I had the opportunity to uh, go celebrate in the Midwest uh, my dad's 80th birthday and be with him. And the things that were constantly on my dad's mind were people in his family that did not know the Lord yet. And he talked about that, and he shared with me how he was praying for them and believing for them. My dad has seen many in his own family come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard, my, heard me tell his story many times, but he prayed for his dad for 27 years, and my dad had the opportunity to win him uh, to Christ three days before my grandfather died on the operating table. Where you say, you know, I've, I've done this. I, I, I've done this. I've witnessed to my family, and I, I've done it, and I already did that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Do it again. I'm going to tell you something today. Do it again. Do it again. Just keep doing it until they come to Christ. Pray and pray and pray and pray, and uh, you got to know that it's making a difference. You have to know that. Here's Andrew. He brings his brother Simon. Interesting. He's called Simon, a very common name like John or Bill. Je Jesus meets him, and Andrew comes up to him and said, we found the Messiah, which means Christ, and he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him, verse 42, and said, so you're Simon, son of John, like which tells you that he heard of him, right? You don't say it like that. Peter was the kind of guy you heard of. Peter, when in doubt, would say something even when it was stupid. You ever met somebody like that, right? Like, like they're Captain Obvious. You know a Captain Obvious in your life? They're just like, oh, yeah, Captain Obvious. That's Peter. That was just the way that Peter rolled. Luke even said Peter didn't even know what he was saying when Peter thought it was a good thing. That when Jesus was being transfigured, he said, man, it's so good that we're here. He's brash. He's bold. He's the first one in, but he's the first one out. He's 100% with you until he's not, right? You know that type of person? I mean, we feel that in all of our lives, don't we? Absolutely. 
But Jesus meets him and says, so you're Simon, son of John? I love that. And then he looks at him, he says, you should be called Rocky. And he calls him Cephas, Peter, Petros, Peter, I understand how you roll. You have mood swings and that you talk a lot sometimes and talk too much most of the time. And you're maybe not the person that people can even count on. We can all relate to Peter, can't we? Yes, I'm all in until I'm not. And they're quick to say yes, but you don't know if they're going to ever come through. Peter, he's not very stable. He wavers. He's double-minded. Interesting through Scripture, isn't it, that whenever he's acting like his old self, he's called Simon. Whenever he's acting like the person God called him to be, he's called Peter. I will never betray you, Jesus. I'm with you. Hours later, he denies Jesus three times. But Jesus sees something inside of Peter and sees past all of that like he sees past the things in our heart, in our life today. He sees how he is, but even more what he will become. And Jesus, I'm going to call you a rock. Peter, you're the kind of guy that I can establish the foundation of my church on, and we'll do that. And, and we see this in the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts. It's Peter, 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 not about Simon. And the power of walking with Jesus, some of you today, you're so aware of your deficiencies of your flesh and your shortcomings of the sinful side of your human nature in your life. You may say, I don't know if I could ever change. Know this, when Jesus calls you, he sees you for what you can become, not just what you are today. He has saved you to something greater than your deficiencies. And it's in knowing Jesus that you will truly identify with the purposes for your life. Verse 43, we come upon the next character, the next disciple, which is Philip. Next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip is one of these guys. We see Philip, even in uh, John, gives the disciples homework. He's thinking of all this, and where can we even buy bread? He, Jesus asked uh, Philip, and so we can feed all of these people. And, and we knew that, that inside of this was a test, the Bible says. And Philip answered, 200 denarii will not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little, Jesus. He's one of those number cruncher kind of people. You know what I'm talking about? It's good to have number cruncher people as long as they have faith. And he's not there yet. In John 14, Jesus says that I am the way and the truth and the life. And, and uh, you would think that as they're going through all of this, that P Philip would get it. But Philip doesn't get it. And uh, Jesus is asking him, would you believe? Would you just believe? And, and, uh, and he's just not there yet. And, and he, you know, you got to think, Jesus is like, hey, you've seen me for three years. You've been my disciple for three years. And, and, and why are you asking this? It seems such a big, you've missed such a big picture mindset. And Philip had a hard time believing in Jesus until he was resurrected. He doesn't get it until Jesus is resurrected, and the lesson is it's possible to be a follower of Jesus and miss the things that God is doing. Very true. And then lastly, we come to Nathaniel. 
the lesson with Nathaniel is this. God sees you when you're meditating on the word. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come out of there, Nathanael asked. How many of you know when you're from a place, you think your place is the best place in the world, right? How many of you think your high school is still the best high school in the whole world? You're just like, yeah, my place is the best, and my hometown is the best, you know, and it's the coolest. That's Nathanael from Cana of Galilee. That's all he knows. He's a bit skeptical, and Philip is wise enough to say, come and see, come and see. And today, I just want to encourage you today that maybe you can't get that person that you know to make a decision for Christ in your conversation, but but at least you could say, come and see. Come come and see. I I want to invite you. Would you come? Would you come be a part of this? I, I know you may be a little leery of Abundant Life Church, but would you, would you come and see our, our kids' ministry and our, our crave ministry, our students, and maybe that you would invite them to our brotherhood, to our men's conference, and would you just come and see? Would you just invite them? Would you come in to one of our, our lavish nights, and would you come and check out our young adult ministry? Would you come and be a part of our ALC groups, and, and would maybe just come and check out the worship? And he brings Nathaniel to Jesus, and Jesus in verse 47, Nathaniel, he saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, this is powerful, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He's saying, Nathaniel, I like you. You're one of those straight shooter kind of people. You tell it like it is. You don't have an ulterior motive and you're pure hearted. And Nathaniel asked him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Philip, before I called you, you were under the fig tree, and I saw you. I saw you when you were trying to get relief from the sun, because in those days, the intensity of the sun, they would come underneath the fig tree to get some shade to cool down. And then he references Genesis chapter 28 in this passage. It's the story, do you remember, of the latter to heaven, where Jacob falls asleep, has a dream, sees a ladder. There are angels that are ascending, are ascending and descending from heaven to earth. And in other words, God is very interested in what is happening. And what it's meant to do is, is to encourage Jacob in, in Genesis 28. And as Nathaniel is thinking about heaven coming to earth, Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. And this has everything to do with God's omniscience here. Him knowing everything, that, that this is God. You know what, what is so interesting? As you go from the story in Genesis 28 to you go to the story in John chapter 1, how it's changed where you see Jacob in the dream saw the ladder. You see inside of this passage of Scripture that now the ladder is Jesus Christ and he is the only bridge for us to get from earth to heaven. Jesus, the Son of God. That he is the ladder. And he's telling Nathaniel in here, I saw you under the fig tree while you were meditating. I saw you. When Nathaniel heard this, the Bible says, Rabbi, you're the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. You will see greater things than these. You will see a whole lot more. He said, truly, truly, translated, amen, amen. This is the truth. 
you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending, descending on the Son of Man. What he is saying here is you haven't seen nothing yet from what I'm about ready to do. When you and I start walking with Christ and in his power, you, you sense him drawing you into a deeper relationship than even what you had at the very beginning when you first came to Christ and the work of God keeps working in you than, than even from the beginning and, and nothing will compare to what God will do in the future. What am I saying today? There's some of you, you don't understand this today. You don't think God sees you. God said, Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree meditating on my word. There are people in here this morning, you've wondered whether God's even concerned over your life. God says, I see you where you're at. No, I see what you do. I see where you've been. I see when you're meditating on, on my word. I see you when you're helping other people. I see you today going through difficulties and discouragement, things in your life that you are in turmoil over. God sees you today. So Jesus this morning is calling everybody in this room to a deeper walk with him. John has told us a story so that we will come and see. Can you hear the voice of the Savior calling you today? I'd like to end the service a little different than normal. What I'd like us to do is just bow our heads and just be quiet for a few moments so that we can take this moment and get a little closer to Jesus than when we first came in here. Please forgive us today of allowing the sin of this world to obscure us from seeing you, Lord. From hearing your voice, from knowing you, so that we can follow you, Lord. 
cause us to be a people that are aware of your presence more than anything else. To know your voice. To follow you. Lord, I thank you for John chapter 1 as we come to the completion of this chapter, Lord, today. And Lord, that we find five five disciples who chose to follow you even in the midst of their own sin and mess, Lord, and they became aware of your presence and chose to follow you. Father, thank you today that you see us for who we are and who will become, Lord, inside of your precious name. I pray this in your mighty name. And everyone said,